0: the Humans of Fintech podcast series. We are here today to celebrate the wins, raise awareness of the challenges and walk the talk for change across the entire financial technology industry. Today we are joined by Alan Giles, Group Chief Commercial Officer of Voxmart. Boxmart is a leader in communication, surveillance and analytics technology for global financial markets participants. Alan has led teams for over 20 years and is a big believer in building environments that grow their people. He is here today to share his story and some of the leads along the way. Alan, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you very much Nadia, it's lovely to be here.
0: So what would be a brilliant way to open up is if you could just tell us a bit more about Voxmart and your role there.
1: Super, yeah, so um, as you mentioned, Voxmart are a global leader, in communications data capture and analysis for financial service organizations. What that does is that enables organizations not only to stay compliant, but also to take better business decisions using the data that they already have within the environment. My role as chief commercial officer here at Voxmark, I look after the global sales, marketing and channel teams. Um, so quite a diverse group of people, very geographically disparate. I have people in Melbourne, uh, Singapore, Madrid, london and new york so it's uh it's it's a nice a nice role lots of different day-to-day and a role that i enjoy a lot
0: yeah that sounds super super interesting i love how i love some of the words you've used there already in terms of you know different day-to-day and i know looking back at your career to date you've worked in different organizations and of different sizes and one thing that's a constant thread throughout all of this is that you know you always say high performance is about building a team and creating an environment that enables them to fly I absolutely loved it when you said that so I wanted you to share some of that with us.
1: Sure I guess the first thing to call out is this isn't all my own doing I I was very lucky early in my career to have some extremely great mentors both from the sales arena but also from leadership and it's not lost on me that Uh, two of the the best mentors and leaders that I had were female. As I I went through my career to around about my mid-30s, I thought I was doing pretty well. You know, I I knew how to do this job. I knew how to sell. I knew how to build relationships. And then I uh, came under the mentorship of an extremely strong female leader who was my boss, my immediate superior. And I used to love going to meetings with her because she showed me a different way to do things and she just asked different questions. She got closer to the person. She was often selling without selling, if that makes sense. And I took a lot from that. Learned a lot over over the time that I was there. And very quickly, when I started building teams of my own, I started to use what I'd learned from from that person and tried to make a difference. It's really competitive in, in software sales. And I think all vendors are always looking for that point of difference. How are they going to provide solutions that are different to the competition? And it's often not about the product or the solution. It's about the people that are presenting those solutions and the kinds of relationships that you build. So I learned that quite early in my career and, and I've tried to then pass that on to people that work with and for me. And I think that, that that's that's kind of really been the bedrock of how I built teams. And the other thing that that was also quite apparent to me was that as people within the team, we were allowed to fail. There was an environment created where we were allowed to fail. Up to that point in my career, that was quite rare. Sales organizations are normally just uber competitive and everybody celebrates the win. And, you know, those that win often are lauded. But actually those that do best in the long term, I find, are those that are allowed to fail and learn from the failures because... I've never met a salesperson that has just an, an unbroken run of success. And actually the ones that build the biggest, most meaningful deals are those that have been allowed to fail so that they learn from that and they learn what failure feels like and they don't want it again. So they were a couple of the really strong lessons that I learned early in my career. And I try and create that environment where team is everything. People share their wins and their, and their failures within the team. We have a, a weekly call where people are encouraged to talk about what's going on in their business and they're encouraged to talk about their business as their own business. So I have a, a global team of people who consider that what they're doing is a small business. And, you know, I, I end up leading a cooperative, if you like, of small business owners who all come to the table with their challenges and their wins and, and people learn from each other. So I, I think when you create an environment like that, you get the best out of people because they feel that they're not working in isolation and, and they fear that, feel that they can they can learn from their peers.
0: It's absolutely wonderful listening to you talk through those examples. And I know that there are things that when the audience listens to this, they'll think, OK, we can do better at that. Or I have that. And actually, I, you know, I should feel freer to be able to try new things and stretch myself more. There's a point that you said that I thought was really interesting, where you said selling isn't always about selling. And I know that your best performers have you know, had natural empathy and maintained relationships. I wanted you to tell us more about that, please
1: when you think about the salesperson to target relationship, quite often it's a bit shallow. Salespeople will often say, oh, I've got a great relationship with this person or that person. They'll tell their leaders, oh yeah, no no problem. This is all going to be fine. You know, we're, we're really close. And I've sat in meetings with salespeople where the level of that closeness extends to knowing which football team they support and what car they drive. Now, the more meaningful relationships are those that are built upon understanding the person that's on the other side of the table, not just a couple of the things that they like, which is a tick box exercise for relationship building. It's about understanding the person and connecting with them at a different level, giving a little of yourself to get something back from them that you can then develop and, and have an interest in the person that you're doing business with. That's really important. So that I find that the most successful people in business, particularly in the sales area, the majority of the meetings they have are not actually about selling. They're about developing and building upon the relationship that they've struck up. I often take people out for a coffee, not because I've got something to sell them, because I'm interested in how they're doing, you know, how, how, how are things going in their world. But when you build those relationships, when when there is a problem to solve, guess who's top of the pile of the people that they want to talk to? Because they know that you understand them rather than just the company that might be opening their wallet to give you some money. So I think that the best performers I've, I, I've had are those that are, empathetic but also are, are very good at the people skill part of selling and that's building a relationship so, and actually i have somebody that's in, in my team now and i admire the way she does it she's had a very strong relationship with a guy in a, one of the major financial institutions for many years now to the point when he was doing recently he was doing the london marathon she was there cheering him on now that's not usual however It's a great way of doing business. They've struck up a friendship and it's a a relationship that she services very well, whether she's got something to sell this guy or not.
0: I absolutely love that. I mean, that really is, pardon the pun, going the extra mile. Like, absolutely love that. And well done to her and kudos to
1: everybody. it's, It's also, it's very honest. Mm. They become very honest relationships rather than superficial based on the fact that you think you're going to make some money out of it. I, I really connect with the, those people that create honest relationships.
0: Mm and i think people are talking a lot at, at the moment i know this word is overused but just authenticity and you're absolutely right how many times have i in my career been in a meeting where you know and i used to think that was the you know the right way of doing it knowing somebody's football team or or what car they drive and and you know i don't know much about cars and i don't know much about football so for me that was always a no go and it had to be building a relationship uh, at, at a completely different level and you know, it's really, really meaningful, you sharing all of that. And just putting on that thread, I know that you've spoken also about belonging and loyalty and how important these things are to growing a business and actually also growing, growing your career. I wanted you to share some of your thoughts on that also.
1: Oh, well, I think when you're, when you're in a company that is growing quickly, you see many more opportunities for personal growth within that at an accelerated rate. If you're sat in a, a, a large multinational and they're growing a little bit, you know, you, you, you'll have this, the, the regular timescales for promotion and once a year you'll be reviewed, et cetera, et cetera. But in a small growing company, things are moving at pace and those people that put their hands up for it can experience global mobility, different jobs can become open to them. I think it's really key for small companies to have a bedrock of a culture that everybody buys into and back to that being allowed to fail. Why shouldn't somebody who's in a sales role actually take on a different role or, or vice versa, a tech role, try a sales role? Because it satisfies the current need of the business, but it also gives people the opportunity to try something different, be allowed to fail, but hopefully not, but try something different. And the advantage to the company is, it takes a long time to hire people. And by definition, when you're growing quickly and you're being successful, your company's already stuffed to the rafters with really good people. So why not give them a shot rather than keep going to the street to take people in and and take a punt on them? So I think being in that growing company, offering people... Other opportunities within that company that does really drive loyalty because people they, they think about well they, this company they took they took a punt on me I'm going to really try my best to, to succeed in this role for personal reasons but also the company will see that I'm, I, I'm a company person I, I believe in the culture and the people and so I, th- I think it's an interesting stage that hypergrowth growth companies go through quite often they look externally for people when actually the answer is right under their nose
0: And I couldn't agree with that anymore. I think that that belonging and loyalty is something that we all need to really, really focus on and start investing in, which I know sounds funny coming from a recruiter into this space, but I'm constantly talking to people about, you know, we, we can do so much in attracting new people to, to the industry. But we've got to really work on investing in our current people, ensuring that we're cultivating their potential and their talents. And I love the fact that you shared
1: that. I agree totally. And, and, and from the, re- the recruitment point of view, the requirement for new people is still there. It's just what you're doing is you're, you're giving people that are already there the tr- the opportunity to try these other roles. And then you backfill them with new people that come in and go through that process of learning culture and the product, the solution and everything that these people that are already with you have spent the last two three four years doing already Uh, and i just think it it, it drives strength within the teams as well you've got people that have been in many different roles and they understand the overall makeup of the business i think it can drive real strength within the organization Mm.
0: yeah because it gives you that bigger perspective of how everything is is put together and the relevance of every part of that process yeah absolutely love what you said there Also, I wanted to ask your thoughts on being the change. I've heard you say this before, being the change for inclusion in the workplace. If you could share some of your thoughts on that, that would be fantastic.
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. I I mentioned I've had a couple of very strong female mentors through my career. And there's a couple of other things that I've observed and then taken action on. I was at a a larger company running an EMEA-wide sales and marketing team. And we kind of knew without measuring it, that we had a subset of really powerful, successful salespeople. But I decided to take a look into it. And once we looked at the figures, we worked out that less than 20% of the sales team were female, but actually they were responsible for over 45% of the results. Now, as a leader, I have to take notice of that and decide what I'm going to do about it. So there's two things you can do. You can either you know, batter all the guys and say you're not doing as well as the girls, or you can actually start promoting the girls and get them to actually uh, mentor from within. And so that, you know, the guys start to learn from the girls. And that was the most successful way we did it. And, and the results just carried on going. We, we went through hyper growth in some regions on, on the back of that. Fast forward to what we've done at Voxmart, a little over two thirds of the sales team are now female. And and that's not lost on me. And that's not my design, by the way. That's my results. So we've ended up with just over two-thirds of the global sales team being female. And it comes back to having people that are naturally empathetic and that care about the customer as well as the company. That's really, really interesting to me. So going back to being the change, I really believe passionately that as leaders, we have to observe what goes on in our business. And if there is an opportunity to change things, we should grasp that button and change it. It's very easy to walk on by and think that it'll be somebody else's problem to solve at some point. But when you see the opportunity to change, you should do it. And I'm a big believer in being the change. You know, ask the why, analyse the what, and then make the how happen. And I, I think... If you leave anything behind you when you shuffle off into the sunset, you know, go into retirement, look back on your career, if you've effected change, then I think you've done a good thing.
0: Yeah, I absolutely love that. And it takes me on to my last question really nicely. Anyone that listens to this podcast knows I am all about those calls to action. So when, when people are listening to this, what do you want them to be doing to really drive forward genuine, authentic workplace inclusion?
1: Very key words there that I think I think we really need to hone in on, I think leaders need to step up and consider the impact of being an ally outside of the HR or the people team that lead programs around dei I think as leaders we need to make people aware of our positive attitude to dei um, we need to make sure that it's visible and we need to lead by example. What happens then is you have a workforce that has people that are affected by these issues they feel more comfortable in a positive environment and they also understand that that intersectionality that goes on is understood and it's being addressed and I would just wrap all of that up by saying just be the change.
0: Fantastic and this entire podcast has been so thought-provoking and I really want that for everybody listening I want people to be able to take away all the different elements that you've been talking about, because, you know, I've really felt a lot of this and it's so, so important that we're we're sharing these thoughts far and wide. It's been a brilliant podcast, loads of takeaway. Thank you so much, Alan, for joining us on the Humans of Fintech podcast series.
1: Thank you very much.